Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nate Cashdan. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. I didn't even start yet. You might want to wait. Hold off on the moors. That's right. Yay, God. Boo, devil. All right. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. Good to be here. We're going to determine if I remember how to do this, okay? All right. We're going to learn together. Um, Open your Bibles to anywhere you feel like. I'm just kidding. Open it to Hebrews 11. The verses are not going to be on the screen today. It is not because I forgot, and it's not because the tech guys messed up. It's an object lesson. So hopefully you have your Bible. If you don't own a Bible, if you could just put your hand up, and one of the hosts or ushers, you just go grab them, one of the paper Bibles that we have out there, and just give it to them. Um, But if you have it on your phone, you can pull that up too. You get like 50% credit for that in heaven. So... I'm just kidding. Hey, I want to talk about um, a conglomerate of things this morning, and uh, it won't make sense until the end, probably, but, you know, I'll try to connect them all together and say how they relate. It's like when you go to the movies, you know, and you, you go see this movie, and somebody's like, hey, you got to stay till after the credits to, for the movie to make sense, and you're like, that feels irresponsible. Like, that just feels like, like, you know, I don't have to pay extra for it, but I'd really rather leave, you know, when the credits roll. It's like that instinct you have. But I'm just telling you, hang on till the end, and uh, hopefully this will all tie together. The Holy Spirit will tie it together for each of you individually. I even ask that right now, Holy Spirit, would you do that? Would you open up hearts this morning to receive your truth, not my truth, your truth, as truth is not relative. God, that's the only truth that we want. Is yours, and I pray, Father, that you would open our minds. God, help us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we're able to test and prove what your perfect will is. God, would you fill us all up this morning in Jesus' name? Amen. Okay, so um, yeah, a lot of you guys don't know what's been going on with with Kaylee and I, my wife, uh, the last year. It's been a weird year for us. Uh, Some of you do, and if you're in our home group, hopefully you do. If you're in our home group and you don't, you probably aren't paying attention when you're there on Fridays. So, um, but it's okay. Uh, yeah, we've got to explore. I'll give you the bubbly puppy rainbow version. We've got to explore new realms of faith in the last, uh, you know, seven or eight months, uh, which is a very Christian way of saying it's really sucked for us. <laughs> so, um, but. But honestly, like it's in the difficulty, we do see, you know, at least now, some of, you know, some of the things the Lord is doing, and some we don't, um, but we choose to believe that he's still doing things even when we don't see it, because that's, thank you, all three of you, um, and that's what I want to talk about today. I'm not going to tell you too much about what's been going on with us in the last seven months, mostly because I don't really know how to talk about it yet. Um, but, uh, but what's cool is that while I would have told you a year ago, and I would have been right to a degree, like, hey, I, I walk in faith, I live a life of faith, like, I, you know, there, are, there were a lot of things in my life that I could point to and be like, yes, I'm doing the thing, what Jesus called me to do, and now, a year later, I have that, like, you know, fatalistic, like, I knew nothing about faith. I was not. I don't even know 
how I could ever even say the word faith and get away with it, you know, I had that kind of, and the Lord's like, no, no, don't be so hard on yourself. I mean, like, be hard on yourself, but not that hard. And uh, so anyways, all that to say, we've learned a lot. Um, so I want to show you a story in the Bible. The first thing I want to talk about is faith. The next thing I'm going to talk about is going to be the Word of God. And the last thing I want to talk about is trusting God. And then I'm going to tell you how they're all related and why they're all important, and everyone's going to repent and get saved. So that's the plan. If you want to take notes, you can. Um, Hebrews 11, <clears throat> verse 1, just gives us the definition of faith. If you're there in your Bible, it says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Okay, And I'm telling you that you can sit in church for a really long time, read this verse, read the whole hall of faith you know, of all these people and miss that real faith. So like the only kind of, of faith that's biblical faith is hope in what you cannot see. Literally meaning as soon as you can see it, it requires no what? It doesn't require that. It's not bad. If you can see it, it's not bad. That's desire realized. That's great. That's great. But it didn't require faith anymore. I wasn't even going to do this. I did this maybe five years ago here. Some of you have seen this and some of you haven't. You're like, what's he doing? You, you can see me, whatever. It doesn't matter. The, I've, heard, I've literally heard preachers preach this for years. I exercise faith every time I sit in a chair. They say, I exercise faith, I sit in the chair, I have faith that it's going to hold me up. That's crap. I'm telling you, it's not, it's not faith. Literally, by definition, it's not faith. Why? I can see the chair. I've sat in a chair 10,000 times, they've never broken. I have, I don't even not need faith, I have experience. I have this proven experience that I can do this in the chair, and it's not going to break. It has no faith required to sit in a chair. Zero. Zero. Here's faith. Lord, what should I do when they don't want you to sit in the chair that's behind you? I don't see a chair. I just want you to sit in the chair. Okay, and then I go to sit, and then probably an inch before my butt gets to where it's supposed to be, there's the chair, or not, and it wasn't about the chair, it was about you obeying and believing, and you fall, but you're obedient, that's faith takes no faith. People say, I get faith every time I get in an airplane. I exercise faith. No, you don't. It's the safest way of travel. It's been proven for years. The safest way of travel is no faith required in that. You can see it. You've never been in a plane that went down and everybody died. Like, you know. Now, if, you, if they were testing out a new jet and the first 10 prototypes all crashed, and they're like, hey, I think we got it. There's some faith to get onto that plane. Plane number 11. All right. Hebrews 11, uh, verse 30, I'm not going to read the whole, the whole chapter, but Hebrews 11, it's faith as uh, the, uh, sorry, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then it, it talks about all these people who exercise faith. And you're in there too. It says, by faith, you believe that God created everything with a word, right? So like we're in the hall of faith. If you believe that, that's great. Um, but Hebrews 11:30 30 says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell 
after all the people had marched around them for seven days. So turn over to Joshua chapter 5. That's what I want to tell you. Just point out something real quick from this story. If you don't know the story, because I'm not going to read the entire chapter, I'll sum up here, but a very famous story in the Old Testament about Joshua. Um, Given this word here, I'll just tell you. It says uh, in Joshua 5, chapter 13 is where we're going to start. It says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up. And this is right after, by, by the way, it's a really cool point in history. It's right after the manna stopped, right? So the manna's been showing up every day for many, many, many years. And then they get to this place where they're able to eat the fruit of the land. And as soon as the day they eat the fruit was the last day the manna showed up. It's just pretty amazing. Okay, so it says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? This is really formal, but basically he squared up with the dude, wanting to know, do I kill you or feed you? That's that's kind of what he he was doing. And and the guy says, verse 14, uh, neither. He says, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence because he knew the Lord. And he asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? See, Joshua had an awareness. He had a history with the Lord. Verse 15, the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, chapter 6, verse 1 says, now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites and no one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands with its king and its fighting men. Stop. Do you see that? The Lord says to Joshua, Look, I've delivered this entire place into your hands. And if I'm Joshua, do you know what I'm saying? No, you haven't. (laughs) Because we're out here and there and there and the walls are still up. And nothing, goes, nothing comes out and nothing goes in. And we're just camping out here. And the angel of the Lord said, see, look what I've already done. But he hadn't done it. Well, I mean, to Joshua, no, he hadn't. You see what, do you see what was required by Joshua here? I'm not going to read the, every line of the rest of the story, but here's what happens. The Lord says, I want you to march around the city one time a day for six days with the ark and with the shofars. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times. There's another sermon in here too. Do you know what it is? They didn't rest on the seventh day. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> they broke the Jewish law, but God told them to. Anyways, not going to talk about that. Um, so, but, but they, so he said, on the seventh day, I want you to march around the city seven times. And then I want you to blow the, as soon as you hear the long shout of the trumpets at the end of a cadence or whatever, then I want everybody to shout and then go in and the part that nobody really likes to talk about, kill every living thing, every man, woman, and child, every animal, and take all of the, all of the, um, the gold and the, the gems, things like that, are devoted to the Lord. The holy things are devoted to the Lord. And, and that's the plan. And Joshua says, okay. Now, guys, this is foolish. They're probably marching about 200 yards away from the wall in a circle. Nobody really knows how big Jericho was. Do you know why? 
because it got destroyed. <laughs> it's not there anymore. Um, so but they're probably, because they don't want to get hit with arrows or whatever, right? They're, if this place is guarded like a fortress, you're going to go far enough away to where you walk this circle. They're not walking, in, like it's not veggie tails. <laughs> they're not walking like the wall right here. You know, that's stupid. It, it was a big circle. It probably took them about an hour, hour and a half, somewhere around there to march around. And they're not, mar- they're not walking like at a brisk pace because these guys are carrying the ark with them. So they're going at the speed that they can go at. So, excuse me, I got a sneeze brewing. This is like not convenient. Look at the light. It's not that bad of a sneeze. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Anyways, so, whew, gosh. <laughs> Anyways, guys, so they, they march around the city, okay? And at the end of one day, how foolish do you think this looks, right? It's like we march around, we're going to play the trumpets, and we're going to worship God, and the people are kind of like, cool, now what? And Joshua's like, that's it, we're going to do this for six days. <laughs> They're like, okay. So they do it for six days, and on the seventh day, Probably somewhere between seven and ten hours they march around the city. Guys, seven and ten hours. I mean, they probably took breaks, especially the guys on on the ark, on ark duty. But I'm telling you, this is a radical move of faith because a week ago, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joshua and said, I've already delivered the city into your hands. But all, all you have to do is this. Now, here's what Joshua didn't do. Well, the end of the story is on the seventh day, they march around seven times and everybody goes, and they scream and the wall breaks down. Do you think, I think that Joshua was not shocked at that. Do you know why? Because if he, if he was shocked, then he didn't actually have faith. See, he, he knew what he was getting into. He didn't necessarily know how, but he knew what he was getting into he knew he was getting into following the Lord, and the Lord is going to deliver somehow. In the same way that Abraham reasoned that God could raise Isaac from the dead, a lot of people, I've heard it taught, well, Abraham knew that God would stop him. No, he didn't. Read your Bible. Oh my gosh, this is the next thing I'm going to talk about. He didn't know God was going to stop him. And it says, in a way, he did receive his son back from the dead because he had already killed him in his heart. It, the deed was done. He knew what he was going to do. Joshua is the same thing. He's written in Hebrews 11 because Joshua believed God. Joshua believed God, and here's what he didn't do. The angel of the Lord comes and says, Hey, see that I've delivered Jericho into your hands, and I want you to walk around the town for six day, or the city for six days, and then seven times on the seventh day, and, bl- and shout, and bl- all this stuff. And he goes, All right, I got it. And he comes back and goes, Surely, Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we believe that you can destroy Jericho without our help. You're a mighty God. You don't need us. We're going to sit here and fast and pray and worship, and then we're going to let you come and be our deliverer. What happens if he does that? Nothing with Jericho. They're probably going to end up getting destroyed. If you see a pattern from the, you know, the Old Testament and how he deals with his people. So the point is this. As humans, specifically Americans, we like to live our lives in the scene. We like to live our lives with, we bank on what we can see. We don't like to take risks. John Wimber used to say that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. 
one of the most lucrative enterprises on the entire planet is built around, or it exists because we're afraid of risks. Do you know what it is? Insurance. Insurance, our society even is set up to highly inconvenience those who don't have insurance. You can't get a driver's license without, without insurance on your car. Insurance covers us so we can take safe risks. <laughs> Makes about as much sense as a screen door on a submarine. That how many of you have, I just, I mean, I'm just, I'm not trying to convict anybody for having insurance. <laughs> but maybe the Lord is. And I'm just, I don't want you to brush off all of the little things in our society that come against faith. Because I want to ask you have, you, have you bought some sort of spiritual insurance? Have you bought some sort of spiritual insurance by like setting your life up so you don't need faith, so it's comfortable? I like comfort a lot. A lot. It's one of my favorite things. Jesus didn't die so that we could be comfortable. He died so he could send us the comforter. And the comforter doesn't have a job to do when you're comfortable. How can he be the comforter if you're already comfortable? He's the comforter when we're walking in faith and it's uncomfortable. That's how we can experience God's comfort. In the midst. That's how we experience peace in the midst of the storm. He doesn't remove the storm. Read Genesis through Revelation. Rarely does God show up and remove the storm. He just walks with you in it. Sometimes he does. There are exceptions. I mean, because God doesn't live in any sort of box. But most of the time, he just walks with us. Faith won't just happen. This is my point. Guys, you can't be like, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore I live a life of faith. Absolutely untrue. Absolutely untrue. You exercise faith by believing in Jesus. That, because you don't, You didn't see him die. None of you saw him die on the cross. None of you saw him raised from the dead. So it takes extreme, it takes takes an amount of faith. You've put your faith in his life, death, burial, and resurrection. That's, That's huge. But walking in faith, believing for the things that you can't see does not just happen. Just because you're a believer, it's not automatic. You have to be proactively walking by faith in order to walk in faith at all doesn't happen by accident. And the object of our faith is where we start. Who is the object of our faith? It's Jesus. The more we get to know the Father, the more we get to know Jesus, the more we get to know the Holy Spirit, then the more or the greater our faith increases. If he's the object of our faith, then the, great, the closer we are to him, the more we get to know him, and the more our faith is increased. We don't have faith because we don't know Jesus well. And then we end up uncomfortable, so we set up these spiritual insurances around our life to where we don't need faith. You run out of money, you don't have to, fa- you don't have to believe God for supernatural provision, you swipe a credit card. I had a friend call me, I told my home group this story, but I had a friend call me the other, or a couple weeks ago. I just told Kathy this morning. It wasn't a couple weeks ago. This was probably three months ago. I say a couple weeks ago for everything. Anything within the last 18 months was a couple weeks ago. (laughs) 
It was probably a few months ago. I don't remember. But he called me up, and he's like, bro, pray for us. He goes, we just bought these plane tickets in total faith. He goes, we put them on the credit card in faith. It wasn't the time in that particular phone call for me to rebuke him. We were talking about something else. But I got off the phone, and I was like, oh, God, that's not faith. That's just a credit card. (laughs) Because even if the money that you're believing for doesn't come in, you legally don't even have to pay it that time. You can just get some interest charged and believe God for it the next month. I'm like, guys, please. Anyways, all right, moving on. All right, what was I saying? Oh, we don't have faith because we don't know Jesus well. If you don't know him, it's impossible to have faith in him, and without faith, it's impossible to please God, also in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Lack of faith is most often tied to lack of relationship with God, okay? Uh, You see people that are walking incapable of walking a life of faith are the people that are furthest from God. People that are closest to God often have a, uh, or uh, live out the greatest example of walking by faith. Uh, the primary way that we get to know him is by reading his autobiography. It's the primary. It's not the only way. It's the primary way. The word of God. And that's the second thing I want to talk about. I preached one time. I don't remember what this was. Maybe five years ago. This girl comes up to me at the altar. She's not here today. Don't worry. And, uh, and rebukes me uh, because I made some, com- like I do in almost every message that I preach, I talked about killing an animal and eating it or something, you know, which, you know, I'm an avid hunter. I have been ever since I saw Bambi as a kid. So um, it's my favorite hunting movie of all time. And uh, anyways, this girl comes up to me and she goes, and she's just shaking her head and she's like, you know, the Lord wants everyone to be a vegan. I was like, so I'm very quick. So I'm like, there's this this barrage of comebacks and Bible verses and all this stuff that comes up, and it's like, and I have to swallow it. And uh, I said something like, really? Do tell, or, you know, like, what do you mean? And then she's, well, God never intended us to eat meat or any animal products ever. Okay. All right. I said, uh, I said, do you mean that you have a personal conviction to be a vegan? Because I applaud that. You should never touch an animal product if the Holy Spirit has given you a personal conviction to, to be a vegan. You should, and I will help you to stay away from animal products if that's your conviction. But you should not make your conviction my conviction if it's not biblical. She goes, no, it's biblical. I said, wow, can you show me? And she goes, well, I don't have my Bible today, but I was like, all right, we could talk about that too, but whatever, and she goes, she goes, she goes, it's just wrong, it's sin for believers to eat animal products, and so instead of coming back with all the, you know, I'm like, with all these verses, I was just like, no, she has no idea what the Bible teaches, she's just completely biblically illiterate, at least on this topic. And so I had compassion rather than I'm going to put her in her place and embarrass her. Like that was, you know, because she, I think she had enough pride, bad pride, that it wouldn't have affected her anyways. And that whatever I said, her mind was made up. And I just said, hey, I want you to just think about one thing. 
I said, uh, if the Lord has been, you know, uh, this pro-vegan God all of this time, as you say, why do you think that he sent his people to a land flowing with milk and honey, animal products? And uh, she's like, well, I don't know about that. And I said, me neither. That's a mystery. <laughs> Anyways, she stopped going to the church shortly after that. But the point is this. I'm not, when we don't know the word, we get weird. No, I'm serious. That was the point. I'm like, she's up here preaching to me that everyone that goes and has a chicken sandwich is, walk, is sinning because of the chicken. You, she's, never read the, she's never read the Bible. At least, but it, I mean, it, I was like, I, I don't even know how many passages of the Scripture. And, and so we don't just get weird. We start to think things are okay that aren't okay. And we start to invent new ways to do things like healing and deliverance and prayer and preaching and the gospel. And we make it. So whenever I hear, or, or parenting, oh my gosh, guys, somebody comes up to me, they're like, man, I, have, I, I learned a new style of parenting. I'm like, you should unlearn it. Well, you haven't even heard what it is. I don't need to. There are no new styles of parenting that are good. Go to the old style of parenting, the one that God set up. That's the style of parenting that you should implement in your house. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's a new book by this guy. He's really, I mean, he's like, he's kind of Christian. Like, you know, he wears a shirt that says Psalm 103 on it. And, you know, but he also is Buddhist and all. But it's really, but it's really good. It's really positive. Like, and it's, it just, and I'm like, oh, you mean you read something that makes you not feel guilty anymore about being a bad parent? I know. Nate brings it hard. Like, I know. I know, but I bring it hard because the Lord brings it hard to me. <laughs> so don't, don't, don't think that I haven't been punched in the face by the Holy Spirit before I say any of that. I'm just saying, guys, without the word of God, we get weird. Without the word of God, I heard people, like, guys, I get, I get, you're about to make me cuss. I'm just telling you, when I hear the hoops that people make, oppressed people jump through in order to receive healing or deliverance. Well, in order for you to be delivered, we have to meet nine times for eight hours. And you have to write down on this paper every sin you've ever committed so that we can openly confess every sin you've ever committed before. Lord, it's the only way you're going to get free. That is the biggest amount of bull, biggest amount that I've ever... And it, all, you know what it does? It keeps the person in bondage. Because what do they think? I'm not good enough to be delivered. How could I possibly ever remember every sin that I've ever committed and write it down on a piece of paper? And I'll tell you what, forget, forget the, the, the illogical approach to that. Forget that. Did Jesus ever counsel a demon out? No. Did his apostles ever counsel a demon out? No. Do you know what he did? They preached repentance living, walking in repentance. They preach water baptism, and they preach radical encounter with the power and blood of Jesus, and that drives out sin and darkness. People say, oh, and if you want to be healed of this sickness, if you want to be healed of this sickness, you have to read this book, and after you read this book, you have to go through this class, and then you'll be able to walk in healing. I'll tell you what, don't make people jump through hoops because 
you're not anointed or because you're not walking in the power that you've been given as a follower of Jesus. We get bored when we don't know the word of God. We get bored, so we invent new ways of doing things. We say, or we get bored and we get frustrated with our lack of um, just success, we'll say, and seeing things. So like, hey, I just, I don't like evangelizing um, because it makes me uncomfortable. Also, I don't read the Bible, so I don't actually know how to answer these people's questions. So I'm just going to be a TikTok evangelist. There's nothing wrong with TikTok evangelism for people that read the word. I'm saying, so I'm just going to go where I can say things and then never have to actually answer for anything that I say. Right. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go post things and then turn off my comments so nobody can comment on it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a YouTube prophet. Oh, gosh, that's the biggest oxymoron. <laughs> I have to skip a little part here. It's funny, but I don't think it's God. I mean, it's literally Scripture, but I don't think it's the time or the place. <laughs> All right. The Word of God is so necessary in our lives, guys. We know it's neglected by the culture. That's obvious. But it's neglected by the church. I'm serious. It's, not, it's so much easier to depend on somebody to stand up here and just tell you something and then for you to walk away and think, oh, I got fed. Guys, Psalm 119, 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It does not say that your worship songs are a light unto your, your feet, or a, a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It doesn't say that prophecy is a lamp and a light. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that your gift, no matter how wonderful it is, is a lamp and a light. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say your favorite preacher. It doesn't say your knowledge of the word of God. It says the word is the lamp and the light. That's it. So if you are having trouble with your path, turn your light on. I can't tell you how often I hear folks talk about private revelation that they get from the Lord. That 100% contradicts Scripture. God told me, fill in the blank, I'm supposed to go minister to the animal kingdom or whatever. And I'm like, nope. Nope, he didn't. But it happens all the time when folks are ministering and not seeing fruit. They invent new ways of doing things to make themselves feel better. I've heard people say, well, the Lord told me I don't have to evangelize because just, my, just me living my life is evangelism. And I'm like, let's break that down. Your life is supposed to be, you're supposed to be a living epistle. You're supposed to walk out and be the hands and feet of Jesus where people look at you and go, hmm, what's different about that? But that is not the gospel. That doesn't save anybody. It doesn't. If the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, and how can they believe unless they've heard, then the gospel is something that must be heard, not just seen. 
So I'm going to, I can't, I can't amen that the Lord told you you don't have to evangelize when literally we have lots of verses that say everybody's supposed to evangelize. Maybe you're not an evangelist in the, you know, an office. That's great. Yeah, I'm, neither am I. I get that. We still have a general call. Without the word of God, we get weird. Um, Ephesians 6, it refers to the word of God as, as the sword of the spirit, right? It says take out the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So if you don't have the word, and you're out here living life, and the devil's roaming around, pretending to be a lion, seeking somebody that he can devour, how are you going to fight him off if you left your weapon at home? Are you going to prophesy to the lion? Because that's not part of your armor. <laughs> It's not. I love prophecy. I'm not dogging prophecy. I'm telling you that in charismania, it gets weird. And people replace the word of God with their own private revelation and prophecy, and they're just not equal. Your word that you heard from the Lord is not the word of God. This is the word of God. Now, you can hear a word from the Lord. That's good. But it ain't equal with this. Do we understand? Am I making sense? I'm not, I'm not trying to say, oh my gosh, I shouldn't prophesy. The opposite, you should. But the better you know the word, the more you'll know who the voice is that's speaking to you. Because there's lots of voices that want your attention and only one worth listening to, two if you're married. <laughs> I saw the elbows. I won't look at who I saw, but I saw the elbows. Listen, 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Listen, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This points to the reason why so many Christians are not equipped. Scripture has the solutions and we can trust God. Okay, it brings me to my last point. If faith is developed through relationship with God, and relationship with God is developed primarily through the Word of God, then eventually faith has to turn into trust. That's a Todd Adams line. Eventually your faith has to turn into trust. Trust is developed over time. How many of you have trusted someone and have your trust broken? Right. You don't raise your hand, you need some friends. Just surround yourself with friends, and they will disappoint you. So, if you don't have friends, get some family members. They do the same thing. But when your trust is broken, I teach my kids this. When somebody, somebody breaks a confidence, it's not like you just restore that confidence, or you're like, I forgive you. Wow, and all the great feel. I just want to tell you everything now. Right? It takes time. Time, time, time. And the bigger the offense, the more time it takes. And you, can, you don't have to walk in bitterness and offense. And you not trusting some, a person because they broke your trust is not fruit of your unforgiveness. I've been telling people all the time, like, I, somebody told me, like, well, you're not trusting them. You, you're holding unforgiveness against them. I was like, you're stupid. I love them. I hold nothing against them at all, but I'm not going to bear my soul to them because the fruit that I have of doing that before was that they screwed me. Yeah. So you know, I'm just 
you know what I'm walking in? Wisdom, <laughs> right? Jesus did the same thing. He didn't tell everybody everything. Why? Because they couldn't take it. He was very specific about who he told certain things to. All right. So when you walk by faith over time, you develop trust in the one who's the object of your faith. It doesn't mean that once you trust God, all of a sudden you've graduated out of faith. It means that your proven experience of faith should turn into a level of trust with your father. Okay? So you don't, you don't stop walking in faith, but you start to see patterns of his character and you develop trust. And trust is primarily developed through renewing your mind. Check these verses out real quick. Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Y'all, most of you have heard that one before. Proverbs 28, 26, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Isaiah 26, 3, it says, You'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by that renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So how do these all tie together? I wrote some notes here. Let me see if I can... To live the life that we've been called to live as followers of Jesus, a life where we die to ourselves daily and pick up your cross daily, just not like everybody's mission. It's not like how they draw people in in the seeker-sensitive church. They're like, come and die. Come over here. We'll kill you. Come on in. Come and die. But in order to live that life that we've been called to live, we have to walk by faith. You just have to. There's not another way to live following Jesus than to live a life of faith. It's what, it's what he's called us to. He's called, do you, and do you know one of the most basic reasons why, as you read Genesis through Revelation, one of the most basic reasons why that's true is because when we can't see, so he's told us, here's, here's where we're going, here's what's coming, here's what you can do, but we can't see any of it. Well, the only way to effectively live that out is by looking at him and watching where he goes. And if we're watching him, we're not watching the world around us. That is vying. It's not just vying for your attention. It has most of our attention. It does. Do you know how many people are addicted to social media? Most. Do you know how many average hours a day the 18 to 30-year-old spends looking at their phone? Do you know how many average hours a day? That's not 12. I wish Six. Six hours a day. That's, and guys, listen, that's average. That's average. That takes into account the massive part of the population. There's a pretty large part of the population, especially as those that are approaching more of the 30-year range of that age range, that just don't look at, they're not on social media anymore. So that takes into account all those zeros that are pulling that average down to six hours. Those are the same people who are like, I don't really have time to, have to like read the Bible. I feel like I don't have time to read the Bible. I'm like, yeah. Well, you just go post a few memes with Bible verses on them, and I'm sure you'll get to heaven. So, <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? Okay. We have to live that life of faith, guys. 
um, in order to do to to walk out this life of faith with any effectiveness and success, we have to know God. In order to know God, we have to know His Word. Okay, some of you are going to come up to me after and say, "You know, Jesus has revealed Himself to people in third world countries that don't have the Word of God," and I will say back to you, "That's because you haven't gone to minister them yourself. Neither have I." I'm just saying that's the exception. That's not the rule. That's what I'm saying. Derek's going to go. Elizabeth is going to go. But I'm telling you, when Jesus reveals himself in a dream to people, it's because nothing will stop him. Nothing will get in the way in between, between his love for the people and them hearing the gospel. But that is the exception. In order to grow in faith and the knowledge of God, we have to learn to trust God or we'll always be infants begging to be fed. Guys, too many Christians, too many Christians depend on their meals 90 minutes on Sunday morning. Like, I'm getting fed. And then one of the chief reasons they walk away from a gathering in a body of believers is, well, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed. How many years have you been following Jesus? 20 you're 20 years old in the faith, and you don't know how to feed yourself. Cool. Okay. I don't know. My kids started learning how to feed themselves when they were, I feel like, 18 months old. Like, grabbing the spoon, and there's messy food on yourself, and sometimes they eat too much, and they puke, and, and it's dirty. And, but, like, man, by the time they're three, they have that spoon thing pretty well taken care of. And they can feed themselves. And you can hand them a protein bar, and they can go eat it on their own. And they can also go to the pantry and sneak one and get in trouble for that. My point is that if you have been following the Lord for any amount of time and you don't know how to feed yourself, that's a problem. And I'm telling, and I apologize for any, anything I've ever done to contribute to that here in this church because... The church system doesn't set people up for success in that because it makes people believe, that's one of the weaknesses of it, it makes people believe that when I come on a Sunday morning, I'm getting fed what everything I need. I'm telling you what, do you eat one meal a week? Do you eat one meal a week? No. Or like when you fast for seven days, on day seven, do you eat 21 meals? You can't. No, I mean, but I mean, seriously, though, think about this. Think about the physical part of it. Even if you wanted to, even if you wanted to get the nourishment that you needed for that whole week, you can't get it in a day. There's not, your body's not designed to do that. Well, I'm telling you what, your spirit, your soul, your body, your mind, none of it's designed for it. And just a side note, too, on feeding yourself, you got to be so careful what you watch online. Like, I know I'm talking about like good, like, like preachers and stuff like that, preachers and prophets and things like that, because guys, everybody's a prophet nowadays. Right. It's just like, guys, it's confusing. It's confusing the body of Christ. I've had people come to me in complete shambles because they listened to four different prophets that all prophesied four different things and all four of them had proof and dreams and visions on why their prophecies were right and they all contradicted scripture and each other and I was like, and, and they're like, what do, who do we believe? And I'm like, just read your Bible and shut off freaking YouTube. <laughs> That's what you do. 
just read your Bible and stop listening to YouTube. There, there's some good information out there. I'm not dogging everybody. I'm just saying, if it's causing confusion, just turn it off. It's fine. Just read the Bible. Just go back to basics. Okay, moving on. We're almost done. Actually, worship team, come on up. As Marissa leads her last song as a single woman. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen, stay tuned in, because this is after the credits, We're tying it all together. In order to grow in faith and the knowledge of God, we have to learn to trust God. We're always going to be infants in the faith, begging to be fed without ever learning how to feed ourselves. Now listen, the primary way that we grow in our trust in God is by renewing our minds and no longer conforming to the pattern of this world. Guys, it actually requires a change. When he wrote, when Paul wrote, no longer shall you conform to the pattern of this world, he meant a lot of things. One, you have conformed to the pattern of this world. Because you don't have to no longer do it unless you're already doing it. You have conformed, they had conformed, the Roman church had conformed in some way, shape, form, or whatever to the pattern of the world. I have conformed to the pattern of this world. It, not, not like completely, but I mean like in a lot of ways. And I've, that's a lot of what I've learned in the last seven so months. And I'm just going to say like many and many of you, I don't know all of you personally, so I'm not going to make one of those stupid blanket statements that I have to retract later I, or redact. Uh, I'm just saying probably most of you in this room have conformed in some way. I'm telling you if, it, the, if the early church needed to hear it and it's recorded in the canon, it's probably alive and well for us today. But I'm telling you guys, if you... Stop conforming to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do we do that? Once you stop conforming, you are forced to walk by faith. There's only two ways to walk, with what you can see, which is the world's way, and with what you can't, which is by faith. That's God's way. Just two ways, it's, which is easy. That's good for me. I need no option fatigue. Just two ways. You walk the world's way. You walk God's way. The world's way is also the devil's way. If we stop conforming, we're forced to walk by faith. And if we couple that with digging into God's word, our trust in God will only grow daily as we see him come through and, and strengthen our faith by showing up and doing exactly what he's already promised to do. He's promised to do these things for those who love him and for those who are called according to his purposes. Guys, he cannot piggyback on the faith and, and spiritual nourishment of your spouse, especially if you're a man. I'm telling you today, man up. Man up and get in your Bible and lead your wife and lead your children. Stop letting your wife be more engaged with the Lord than you are. I, I've heard, I mean, I've heard it a hundred times through the years. Well, that's her thing. That's not really my thing. Pathetic. It's pathetic. Do you think Jesus is, Jesus is like, oh, I understand, man. I understand. That's cool. No, you're good. Yeah, she's, I mean, it's definitely church is more artsy and you're more hands-on. So like, I get it. Like, just do your thing, bro. Thanks. You're giving it the nod and see you in heaven.
know. Read the Bible. Learn. Once you learn, then you can teach. Once you're walking, then you can lead. If you're not, you can't. If I'm not, I can't. I've had times in my marriage where I suck. So you change. That's part of being a man. You guys can stand. I just want to invite you to the front to repent. If you feel you need to. Actually, no. Because your feelings will lie to you. I love that saying. If you had a friend that lied to you as much as your feelings do, you'd never be friends with them. So forget your feelings. Just in, just go with truth. Do you do you need to repent? Do you need repentance? Is I mean, literally means changing the way that you're thinking about something. So you think about it one way. Now I'm going to stop, turn 180 degrees. I'm going to think about it another way. Literally has to do with transforming or renewing your mind. Repentance is a step in renewing your mind. So if you want to repent of not walking by faith or neglecting the Word of God or of not trusting Him. You can come up and do that while the worship team plays and let him fill you with renewed strength. Let him fill you with renewed life and renewed conviction to live a life of faith and to trust him and to get into his word and let it wash over you. Let the word of God be the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path. Holy Spirit, you need to do your work in all of us, in me first. Father, don't let the repentance that happens here today be unto no fruit. But Father, let it be real, mind-changing, life-changing decisions. I pray over each, each man, especially as leaders, not just in their homes, but leaders in, in society, leaders in the world, really they're spiritually called to be spiritual heads of households. God, would you wake us up as men. Help us to step into our true calling identity and to lead well like you led. You led as a servant. You humbled yourself, became obedient to death. You took the towel and washed your disciples' feet. Help us to lead like that. Jesus' Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.